0: Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. Beautiful day. He gave us today. Has anybody got any announcements? Dude, those are in the back, but the district meeting might be next month instead of this month. Jim? There's
1: been, there's been a lot of confusion on that note over the past few days.
0: We still got some people that's pretty sick on our prayer list that we need to remember. So need to continue to remember Brother Jim. He's pretty lame from falling out of his pickup, got a lot of pain, so we need to remember him each day, and so uh, let's uh, open our service this morning with the singing of 354, 354. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we come to thee this morning in the name of thy son, Jesus Christ, to invite your holy presence to be with us this day in this sanctuary. Pray unto you Brother Alex as he stands in your stead this day to bring forth the words that he studied out and pray that he will bring better understanding to each one of us and, and bless him with your holy presence. And these things they ask in Christ's holy name, amen.
1: Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the Old Testament book of Zechariah, <laughs> the ninth chapter, starting at the ninth verse. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, and having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt the foal of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from the river even to the ends of the earth. As for thee also, by the blow of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. Turn ye to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare thy will render double unto thee. When I have bent Judah for me, filled the bow with Ephraim, and raised up thy sons, O Zion, Against thy sons, O Greece, and made thee the sword of a mighty man, and the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrows shall go forth as a lightning, and the Lord God shall blow the trumpet, and shall go with the whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts shall defend them, and they shall devour and subdue with slingstones, and they shall drink wine and make noises through wine, and they shall be filled like bowls and as the corners of the altar. And the Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his people. For they shall be as the stones of a crown, lifted up as an ensign upon his land. For how great is his goodness, and how great is his beauty. New wine, corn shall make the young men cheerful, and new wine the maids. May the Lord Jesus ask blessing to the reading of his word this morning. What we are One seventy-eight,
0: 178. 178. <laughs>
1: In my preparation for my message this morning, my mind was drawn back to the last time we had Palm Sunday service in this building. It's been almost two years exactly since we last had Palm Sunday service here together. Patriarch Leland Collins was the speaker that morning, and he came down with his dear wife Darlene from Independence. And I remember being in Sunday school with him that day, and I think I stole pretty much all of his material scriptures he was wanting to use for his sermon. So that was probably a bit bittersweet for Brother Collins. And They also got me to thinking how much has changed since we last had that Palm Sunday service. In that intervening time, we have lost our brother Leland, President Larson, Sister Mary Lou, and many other faithful saints that we have known. We have witnessed the fulfillment of prophecies since that time, and we have even witnessed the fulfillment of prophecies that was given through brother Larson. If you read your R revelations, then I trust you know what I am referring to. While we certainly are living in trying times these days, it is also equally true for us to say They are living in the times which the prophets themselves desire to live, as we are truly on the cusp of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I believe that the scripture that I selected for my scripture reading has reference to both the first and second comings of Christ, which I hope will bear itself out over the course of my message. In the New Testament, each of the four Gospels provides an account of Christ's triumphant entry in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. However, this morning we will only consider the account as found in the book of Luke. From Luke chapter nineteen, starting at verse twenty-eight, as soon as I can get my spot here. And he came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethpage in Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples, saying, "Go ye to the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him to me. If any man ask you," Why do ye loose the colt? Say unto him, the, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they who were sent went their way, and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners of have said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And, and as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even out the scent of the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praised God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, If these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. There is much for us to digest here. For starters, his entry in Jerusalem fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah, which we open with perfectly. Jesus followed every jot and tittle that was found along the prophets in the preparation for his crucifixion and resurrection. He did this by riding on the colt, which the prophet declared he would, and the rejoicing that would accompany it. We also have the people of the city recognizing him as their king and hailing him as such in language that echoes the angel's proclamation of his birth to the shepherds in the field some 33 years earlier. And I didn't realize that the people welcoming him to Jerusalem used the same language as the angels. And I didn't realize that until I started studying for it. It's pretty amazing how God's word ties together. To the Jews at the time when Jesus came, they saw Jesus as their divinely anointed king who was destined to overthrow the despotic rule of the occupying Roman forces. While it was true that Jesus Christ did come and will come again to overthrow the human governments of this world, this was not his primary goal through his ministry. Instead, his primary mission was to free man from the wages of sin, both physical and spiritual death, and to give them the opportunity to have eternal life and celestial glory. The Jews, blinded by their dual obsessions with the letter of the law and merely following the ordinance of the law of Moses simply because they were there, coupled with their previous acts of rebellion in their history, failed to see this and that this is a major reason why, just days later, the Jews rejected him as their king and called for his immediate execution instead of his coronation. The Jews, we must understand, had gone very far astray in their understanding of the scriptures and the role that their Messiah was to play for them and that this episode was but the latest in a long series of their rejections of their God. Their rejection started in their desert pilgrimage when they refused to go up to Mount Sinai with Moses to see God face-to-face and worship with him. This rejection would further lead to their golden calf experience just a few days later, and their constant doubtings and complaints in many years of the wilderness, which led them to being shut out of the promised land for 40 long years. Another consequence of this act of rebellion was that the Melchizedek priesthood was removed from their midst, and that they were only left with the Iran priesthood, which now operated as a shell of its former self, having been relegated to the law of carnal commandments. Similarly, this event also caused God to swear in his wrath that the children of Israel would not enter to his rest while in the wilderness, which is his presence, otherwise known as celestial glory. From section 83, verses 3 and 4. And the Lord confirmed a priest upon Aaron and Hissie throughout all their generations, which priesthood also continueth and abideth forever. ...with the priesthood that is after the whole order the holiest order of God. And this greater priesthood administereth the gospel, and hold the key of the mysteries of the kingdom, even the key of the knowledge of God. Therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. And without the ordinances thereof, and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifest unto the children of men in the flesh. For without this, no man can see the face of God, even the Father, and live. Now, this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness, and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. But they hardened their hearts, and could not endure his presence. Therefore the Lord, in his wrath, for his anger was kindled against them, swore in his wrath that they should not enter to his rest, while in the wilderness, which rests, is the fullness of his glory. Therefore he took Moses out of their midst, and the holy priesthood also, and the lesser priesthood continued, which priesthood hold the keys of the ministry of angels and the preparatory gospel, which gospel is the gospel of repentance and of baptism and the remission of sins and the law of carnal commandments, which the Lord in his wrath caused to continue with the house of Aaron among the children of Israel until John, whom God raised up, being filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb, for he was baptized while he was yet in his childhood, and was ordained by the angel of God at the time he was eight days old into this power, to overthrow the kingdom of the Jews and to make straight the way of the Lord before the face of His people, to prepare them for the coming of the Lord, in whose hand is given all power. This rejection of the children of Israel to, of their God will be further metastasized in First Samuel chapter eight, when the children of Israel came to Samuel, demanding that they now be ruled by a human king. Now, for some context. It is important for us to note that by this point, the prophet Samuel, who had served as Israel's main judge for many years, was now rather advanced in age and that he had passed the judging duty on to his sons. The problem was that his sons were not righteous men like their father and that they took bribes and perverted the justice of the land. These facts are not disputed in the biblical account. But instead of simply replacing the corrupt men with honest ones, the people desire an alternative solution of their own design. They wanted a king who would rule them, just as their neighbors were ruled by kings. In other words, at that time, they did not want to be ruled by God and follow his counsels, but instead to imitate their foreign neighbors. Understandably, this request was most displeasing to Samuel. He took them out to the Lord in prayer. God told Samuel that it was he and not Samuel who the people were rejecting and that he was to give in to their appeal. In the years that followed, Israel's kings, even the best ones such as David and Solomon, made unrighteous judgments and introduced the people to strange, foreign gods who caused them to fall into sin and transgression. Eventually, a succession crisis would emerge and to separate the nation into two kingdoms, the northern Israel and the southern Judah, before each was led into captivity and bondage by foreign rulers on their, by their own wickedness and rebellions against God. In many ways, I believe that the Israelites' desire for an earthly king and their propensity towards idol worship is a result of human nature. They want a God which they could see. We say this same thing today with people looking towards to celebrities, politicians, and generals, and so on for their heroes. We want our heroes to be heroes we can see with our natural eyes, ones that are tangible for us to see and behold. In other words, we as humans, by our very nature, are naturally more inclined to walk by the sight of our eyes rather than by the faith of our hearts. The ways of the natural man versus the ways of the spiritual man. In section 83, where we just read, I believe that the kingdom of the Jews that John the Baptist was called to overthrow includes, at least in part, the idea held by many of the Jews that they primarily need a temporal and not a spiritual savior, along with the notion that salvation itself came by obedience to the law of Moses. Although that is just my two cents on the matter. Christ, however, has called us to walk by faith, And not by sight. We are told in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Jesus told his disciples that they were blessed for believing or exercising faith in him and that they who believed or exercised faith on their testimony of him would be even more blessed because of their belief. This is because God God also works through faith unto the children of men. Without faith righteousness cannot occur upon the face of the earth and fortunately The Jews in Jerusalem at the time of Christ were not a particularly faithful people. Jesus told the Nephites that the reason he could not work the same mighty miracles with the Jews that he did with them was because of the Jews and their lack of faith. The Jews were also not a righteous people by any stretch of the imagination. Indeed, the prophet Jacob in the Book of Mormon tells us in 2 Nephi chapter 7 that Christ had to come as a Jew because the Jews were the only people who would be wicked enough to kill their own God. In addition, Frequent mention is made in all three of our standard books of the Jews and their disobedience and stiff neckedness towards keeping the commandments of their God. And so, for these reasons, the Jews rejected Christ, and there we can see why most clearly. They anticipate his arrival in Jerusalem as being the advent of the fall of Roman rule and the restoration of the Jews as their own independent nation. When this failed to occur immediately following his arrival, they called for his demise they did not wish to be freed from sin, from eternal death. They only wished to be freed from their temporal problems in their lives. They could not see Christ for what he was. They were blinded by sin and disobedience, and because they looked with their natural eyes rather than their spiritual, they could not see Christ as he came. In many ways, I believe that we are far too much like the Jews of old today. We can become so laser focused on our temporal troubles and concerns. Of everyday life that we lose sight of what is most important in our lives as having a hope of eternal life through our lord and savior jesus christ and during our faith through his holy name unto the end of our lives in the end this is what really matters for us and this is what we always need to be conscious of at all times in our lives moving forward i would also invite us to consider the times in which we are living and i firmly believe that we are in the end times in the latter days spoken of in our scriptures from the book of Mark, the 13th chapter, starting at verse 20. For then, in those days, shall be great tribulations on the Jews and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, such as was not before sent upon Israel of God since the beginning of their kingdom. For it is written that their enemy shall scatter them. Until this time, no, nor ever shall be sent again upon Israel, All these things are the beginning of sorrows. And except these days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, according to the covenant, those days shall be shortened. Behold, these things I have spoken unto you concerning the Jews. And then immediately after the tribulations of those days which shall come upon Jerusalem, if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe him not. For in those days there shall also arise false Christs, And false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if possible, they shall deceive the very elect, who are the elect according to the covenant. Behold, I speak these things unto you for the elect's sake. And you shall also hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all I have told you must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Behold, I have told you before, wherefore they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert. Go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the light of the morning cometh out of the east, and shineth even to the west, and covereth the whole earth, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And now I show unto you a parable. Behold, wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. So likewise shall my elect be gathered from the four quarters of the earth. And they shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Behold, behold, I speak unto you for mine elect's sake. And again, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. And again, because iniquity shall abound, the love of men shall wax cold. But he who shall not be overcome, the same shall be saved. And again, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the income or the destruction of the wicked. And again shall the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, be fulfilled. Immediately at the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light by night, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Verily I say unto you, this generation to which these things shall be shown forth shall not pass away until all I have told you shall be fulfilled. Think about what Christ told his apostles here. Does it sound like anything we might be seeing, hearing, and living in the world today? If you answer no, then I would say you are not paying attention to what is going on around you. The wars, the rumors of wars, the deceit, the deception, the false Christ, the false prophets, and the false doctrines. Saints, we are living all of these things today. Also, while we thankfully have not experienced famines here in the promised land, Who among us can deny that we have not had pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places? I mean, just think about how many earthquakes we've had in small towns here in Oklahoma over the past several years. I know I said this at the beginning of my sermon, but let me say it again. We are living through the fulfillment of prophecy. I understand that our late brother Melvin Zonner used to say that when things start happening, you better have your running shoes on because things were going to happen fast. Does it feel like that today, saints? Be very honest with yourselves. Does it feel like that things are moving at such a rapid pace that you have never experienced before? I know that many people have remarked that it seemed like the year 2020 both dragged on forever, yet it was also a flash in the pan, all at the same time. Do you believe that we are living in the hastening times? I know that I do, and that Brother Larson received this regarding the changing of time and the days in which we were living 11 years ago in 2010. I still remember quite distinctly being at this conference when it was given. From section 154, verse 4 of the R Revelations, Even as the earth rolls upon her wings in time and space throughout my universe, she groans and changes as she fulfills her purpose in my creation. As the world ripens in iniquity, my arm of mercy and justice will be extended to be fulfilled that which has been prophesied. For, as surely as you understand time, time shall come to an end, and for you to speedily be about building my earthly kingdom. To this end, you must continue to make preparation. To escape the coming economic calamity, free yourselves of monetary debt. To withstand the approaching collapse of moral and family values around you, established family altars must be in place. Even though you may have to pass through many trials in these last days, be strong and be cheerful, for in my gospel and in my word you shall find strength to overcome. Seek me in your quiet places, and you shall have peace in your souls. Amen and amen. Have we been obedient to this direction? Have we made the spiritual preparations that we need to withstand the attacks of our adversary? Have we rid ourselves of financial debt so far as we are able to? Do we have family altars? If we do, are we making regular use of them? If the answer is no, then let us quickly work to change that. Our time to make preparation before the night comes is quickly running out. From Third Nephi chapter 7, verses 32 through 45. But woe, saith the Father, unto the unbelieving of the Gentiles, for notwithstanding they have come forth upon the face of this land, and have scared my people who are of the house of Israel, and my people who are of the house of Israel have been cast out from among them, and have been trodden under feet by them. And because of the mercy of the Father to the Gentiles, and also the judgments of the Father upon my people, who are of the house of Israel, verily, verily, I say unto you, that after all this, and I have caused my people, who are of the house of Israel, to be smitten, and to be afflicted, and to be slain, and to be cast out from among them, and to become hated by them, and to become a hiss, and a byword among them. And thus commandeth the Father that I should say unto you, at that day when the Gentiles shall sin against my gospel, and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, and shall be lifted up and pride their hearts above all nations, and above all the people of the whole earth, and shall be filled with all manner of lies, and deceits, and mischiefs, and all manner of hypocrisy, and murders, and priestcrafts, and whoredoms, and of secret abominations. And if they shall do all these things, and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, behold, saith the Father, I will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them. And then will I remember my covenant which I have made unto my people, O house of Israel, and I will bring my gospel unto them. And I will show unto thee, O house of Israel, that the Gentiles shall not have power over you, but will remember my covenant unto you, O house of Israel, and ye shall come to the knowledge of the fullness of my gospel. But if the Gentiles will repent and return unto me, saith the Father. Behold, they shall be numbered among my people, O house of Israel. And I will not suffer my people, of the house of Israel, to go through among them and tread them down, saith the Father. But if they will not turn unto me, and hearken unto my voice, I will suffer them, yea, I will suffer my people, O house of Israel, to, that they shall go through among them and shall tread them down. And they shall be a salt that hath lost its savor, which is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trod underfoot of my people, O house of Israel. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Thus hath the Father commanded me, that I should give unto this people this land for their inheritance. And when the words of the prophet Isaiah shall be fulfilled, which say, Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, with the voice together shall they sing, when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted his people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. This scripture, more than any other in our three Sanders books, I believe, describes the days in which we are living, and those which are very, very shortly to follow. I do not say this lightly or in jest. I truly believe, I would even dare say, to quote Brother Ralph Dane in a recent sermon, that if you are not seeing it, then you are blind. When Christ talks about the Gentiles rejecting the fullness of the gospel, has this and is it not being fulfilled before our eyes? Us restorationists, and I'm using this term very broadly to include all believers of the Book of Mormon, are not a particularly large group even here in the United States. And when you it down to those who are currently in the remnant church, then that number becomes much, much, much smaller. While our friends in the LDS church are recognized for their strong families and work ethics, Restorations are nevertheless met with constant scorn and ridicule every time we turn the corner, or so it seems. Sadly, often our most vocal opponents appear to be Christians in other denominations. I've heard many stories of such interactions, but I'm not going to repeat them here for you. I trust you've heard many of them yourselves. You may have even been part of some of those stories yourselves. That's just another topic for another time. Even beyond the restored gospel, strictly speaking, We have also witnessed the need for religion among the general public, even here in our state of Oklahoma, take a noticeable dive. I know that previous sermon I shared here, I shared some statistics regarding virtual church attendance during the pandemic, which painted a rather frightening picture across all religious denominations, so I will not rehearse them again this morning. I have also seen this depressing reality play out in front of my own eyes. I distinctly remember on our way to our first church service once we were allowed to have them again, driving by the Scott Duke Sports Complex over on 133rd East Avenue, just south of town, seeing the parking lot, which is a rather large one, I might add, being filled pretty much to overflowing for an event they were having there that day. I also remember driving to our own parking lot out here, and it's not even having 20 cars out in, the vehicle, out in the parking lot. When this is happening to us in small-town Oklahoma, the buckle of the Bible Belt, as it were, after everything that had transpired in those few months, all the chaos, the confusion, and social unrest, all the changes that we had undergone as a society in so short a period of time, and to see that most of our people in our area believe that the most important thing they needed to do on Sunday morning was attend a sporting event, you know that we are in serious trouble. Regarding the signs of the times Jesus mentions in verse 34, The pride, the lies, the wickedness, the hypocrisies, the whoredoms, the secret abominations. Do I really need to elaborate on this for you, saints? We are seeing these things coming to pass and they are upon us even now. We are seeing things accepted and even celebrated in our society today that would have been taboo and unthinkable even just 20 years ago. It is all around us to the point where we almost cannot escape it. But note that I said almost— because we can and will be able to escape it if we are living in tune with the Holy Spirit. However, it is sufficient that this prophecy of Christ is being fulfilled before our eyes. And with that in mind, let us also examine what comes next. And saints, this is the beautiful part and the part that should make you excited. The part that comes next is that Christ is going to return his gospel to his ancient covenant people. Beginning with the Lamanites on this continent, and then later to the Jews in Israel and the 10 lost tribes scattered across the globe. Both this scripture and the one from Mark make mention of the fact that the Lord will return the children of Israel from their dispersed state, and that he will restore them to their promised covenant lands. In the restoration movement, as I trust you are aware, we refer to this mass, miraculous reclamation of the Lord as his great final gathering. Similarly, both passages all Passages also identify this event as one of the clearest signs of the times in the last days before the second coming of our Lord, and we are seeing it today. Over the past 70 plus years, we have seen the Jewish people return to their ancestral homeland, Jerusalem be restored as Israel's capital, and the Jews emerge victorious in several armed conflicts with her enemies. I imagine that in the days that lie shortly before us, we will also witness great strides being made with the Native Americans on this continent as they are restored to the gospel of their forefathers that they will begin to gather into the center place of Jackson County, Missouri. Zechariah, chapter 12, verse 10, tells us that in that day the Jews shall look upon him whom they have pierced. And chapter 13, verse 6 of that same book, tells us that they will ask him what the wounds which they see in his hands are, meaning the Jews witnessing the resurrected Christ with his wounds and scars. Doctrine and Covenants, verse section 45, verse 9, contains a similar account with additional insights, but we will not read it here this morning. And when this happens, when the Jews see their risen Savior, they will know that they will no longer need to look anywhere else for a Lord or Redeemer, but that He has already come and that His arms are stretched out open to receive His covenant people. And when this happens, they will be endowed with such a strong manifestation of His Holy Spirit that they have never had in their history. And then will the great and marvelous work commence of the final gathering, and the final restoration of God to his people, and his people to their God. May that day soon come, saints, and may we all be found faithful servants in assisting this great and marvelous work that we may have place in that great and eternal kingdom of the Lamb. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Alex. We've got a little history. Heard some commandments. Heard about the blessings we will receive, and we heard about the bad times if we don't adhere to all of those things. So we need to take all of that stuff to heart and worship our Heavenly Father in a way that he can bless us. Let's uh, open our handles to 557, and Brother Ken will dismiss us, 557.